1: To the Tuesday, November fifth edition of the RotoWire NFL podcast, sponsored by Yahoo DFS. I'm Joe Bartle. You can follow me with JB Fantasy Sports, and joining alongside me is Jake Latarski. As always, you can follow him at Roto Jake. Week nine is now in the books, and with the heaviest uh, bye week schedule of the year. This is going to be a pretty crucial,
2: I think, fantasy football podcast. What do you say, Jake? Yeah, I mean, we've had more exciting waiver wire periods before. We've had more high price waiver wire periods before. But we're going to try to take a little bit of a deeper dive this week because we've got six teams on by. And it's not just like six, eh, you know, it's not like we're doing Jets, Jags, or, you know, like those kinds of teams on by. Well, I guess the Jags are on by. Broncos, Texans, Jags, Pats, Eagles, Redskins. Uh, There's a lot of fantasy assets in there. So you're going to have to do some plug-and-play. Um, You're going to have to make some real tough roster cuts. So hopefully we can get you some names that might at least find the end zone or might provide a little bit of upside rest of season for you um, as we start to make that march towards the playoffs. And I
1: think there's a lot of depth for this free agent period as well, too. We've had some critical injuries. Deshaun Jackson, uh, T.Y. Hilton, Mark Walton gets suspended, not that you're really running out there to get the Dolphins what third string second string running back on your field Maybe. but you might have been again this is this is by week 10 we got a lot of teams out there right now so a few crucial names to go over and at the quarterback position as well before we dive into the free agent period though I think it's worth recapping a little bit of what occurred during the Monday night contest between the Cowboys and Giants of course we had a uh, black cat gate right like mm-hmm. uh, the- it's pretty
2: much a tale of two games right it's right what happened <laughs> before the black cat came on the field what happened after the black cat came on the field um after the cat Dallas outscored the uh, the Giants th- Thirty-four to nine, so uh, and they were losing three to nine before that. So really a tale of two halves. Uh, I don't know if you're superstitious or if you're just a little stitious, uh, Michael Scott. But uh, <laughs> it, it's weird. It, it, it was definitely a strange game to me. Um, mostly the key contributors were there. Saquon Barkley kind of laid an egg a little bit. Zeke got you his yards. Dak Prescott kind of got. He threw a pick on the his first pass of the game, but then uh, you know rebounded real nice from there, throwing touchdowns to Amari Cooper, Blake Jarwin, who loves. Loves playing against the Giants for whatever reason, and Michael Gallup finally starting to get back on track a little bit. He's a talent that I do that that I do like, and I think highly of him. And uh, you know, getting healthy and overcoming some drop issues are going to be big for him to stay in Dallas and 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 continue to be a productive asset from then and beyond. Typical Daniel Jones game: three turnovers. Rough. I mean, any other big takeaways from this one?
1: Yeah, it's interesting. So you talked about Saquon Barkley laying the egg, and frankly, he did. I, I was pretty keyed in on this game because I had a, a matchup with our COO, Tim Schuler in stake league. And, of course, we had the two lowest scores, and I'm, well, I think one in seven right now. So it really makes absolutely no difference whether I do well in stake league or not uh, because I'm already just kind of screwed. I'm, I'm buying the stake as is. But I was kind of shooting for the win. He had Evan Ingram and Saquon Barkley. I had Michael Gallup in a seven-point lead. At one point in the contest, I felt pretty secure. Michael Gallup had just scored the touchdown. It was a really athletic play. I mean, Dak Prescott, A, had to make a great throw to the sideline, but Gallup had to jump over a defender and then kind of catapult into the end zone. And that, you know, two catches for 33 yards, that was still a very athletic play. And it certainly seems like Gallup is coming into his own after the injury earlier this season. Saquon Barkley had a 56-yard or something like that, or 62-yard screen pass, to him late in the third quarter, which got the Giants down, and that was about the closest they got to uh, making the score competitive, at least through the second half against the Cowboys, and it it was 37-18, but make no mistake, this wasn't a blowout, I thought that it was pretty competitive throughout, Mm -hmm. that was the big difference maker, and then Evan Ingram had a catch during junk time production at the end, which put chew over by point two two oh, points great.
2: yeah I that mean, was it that's almost as bad of a beat as uh you know sitting on the under at the end of this game and then seeing that fumble return push that game right over the total here and uh and upset a lot of people who had probably even turned the game off at that point thinking the clock was just going to be ran out yeah so, uh, yeah I mean outside of the black cat and the weird gambling juju I mean it all makes sense
1: <laughs> you had mentioned who has more turnovers uh, the rest of the season of course Daniel Jones and his fumbleitis going on and then Josh Allen I think that's probably a good comparison and you know maybe we'd have to talk to Liz, the resident Giants fan to feel or if, if to to ask him how he feels about comparison comparing Daniel Jones to Josh Allen <laughs> I you know, I think it probably ends up being Daniel Jones the rest of the way. I have to look at their numbers just to make sure that mm-hmm. it's close. Uh, yeah, Josh Allen yeah. has seven picks and three fumbles, although he has ten total this year. He's only mm-hmm. lost three, whereas Daniel Jones uh, has eight interceptions and eight lost fumbles. Obviously, you'd imagine Daniel Jones wins that the rest of the way. But again, mm-hmm. it's Josh Allen's fumbled plenty. He just hasn't lost them any. And yeah, I think the
2: money line's like minus one fifty on the rookie. <laughs> but that's, I mean, that's what we're talking about here. So I don't know. I just thought that was a fun over under or maybe for some banter there, but uh, but yeah, both are barely going to have, um, well, at least both have more touchdowns than interceptions, and both have exactly uh, three more touchdowns than they do interceptions, so yeah, we're looking at about similar players, similar ranking here, the way this goes, but I mean... Daniel Jones history, doesn't have the Josh Allen arm. Strength.
1: History has shown that the fumbles tends to be a fluky stat. Like it's not something that gets repeated throughout the year. Maybe that's more of defense's recovering fumbles than it is a player specifically losing them. But again, 10 fumbles for Josh Allen and only three lost, whereas Daniel Jones has 10 fumbles lost or ten fumbles and eight lost. That's mm-hmm. that's a pretty fluky stat in my opinion. And I think for a guy that was definitely bashing Daniel Jones and bashing the Giants for drafting as high as they did this year, I'm not necessarily eating crow, but I, I think you have to be a little bit yeah. – um, positive oh, yeah. performance oh yeah I here. mean
2: the Giants are two and seven they're one and four at home here and uh, I don't necessarily think that's any different than they would have been with Eli and, and I'll still say that they made the right move um, maybe the, the book's still out on the draft pick itself as far as being the right move but switching to the rookie now is absolutely the well
1: right the move. one draft pick that no one's talking about because of Daniel Jones is DeAndre Baker who was picked on mercilessly by the Cowboys uh, passing attack and frankly has been all season long like he was a late end first round pick for the Giants and he's been dreadful Just just completely dreadful, and every single team seems to be going at him to the point where the Giants' defense as a whole probably isn't as bad, but because they have that just egregious egregious weak link in Baker, that I think you can feel comfortable targeting their uh, secondary every single week if you're on the fancy end of their defense.
2: Yeah, I mean, when you look at a cornerback and having them have high tackle totals, that's generally not, not a, not a good, good thing. thing not <laughs> a very good thing. So. But, uh, but Baker's a pretty decent IDP, right? He's getting seven tackles, you know, in a lot of these games here as a cornerback. So uh, you never know. But, yeah, from a real-life standpoint, it's not pretty.
1: We'll get to the Jets who play the Giants and what's going to amount to one of the worst stink bowls that we've seen in New York in quite some time. Later, when we talk about the quarterbacks, running backs, and wide receivers. But first, I want to get a word from our sponsors in at Yahoo Daily Fantasy Sports. The NFL season, of course, is full swing, and Yahoo Daily Fantasy Sports is there with you. There's a million reasons to enter the free Yahoo Cup on Daily Fantasy, and they're all dollars. That's right yahoo cup is free to enter and a perfect lineup will win you one million dollars every week of the football season it's as easy as entering the contest and picking your players if you're over 18 and a united states citizen there's no reason why you shouldn't take your shot yahoo daily fantasy football has new contests every week with guaranteed cash prizes even if you don't score a perfect lineup you could still walk away from the game with a little bit of cash choose yahoo daily fantasy today and get started now at yahoo.com slash daily fantasy again we talked about the 10 or the week 10 bye weeks broncos texans Jaguars, Pats, Eagles, Redskins. Six teams on bye. Obviously, you're not really worried about the Redskins and maybe the Broncos that are out there, although Cortland Sentinelers are probably crying. But this is this is, this is is a deeper set of weeks uh, or bye weeks to come. And frankly, if you are in NFFC leagues or deeper contests where free agent pickups end prior to the the playoffs, so week 13 in the NFFC leagues, this is a really critical time to not only get those bye weeks figured out, but provide depth for your team the rest of the way.
2: Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, this is a case where... I think a lot of the quarterbacks that you took to begin with are going to be, uh, I mean, you're Deshaun Watson, obviously, Tom Brady, Carson Wentz, those guys are on by. Um, I don't know. When it gets to the back half of the season like this, I tend to try to stick, pick one quarterback and stick to it so I can keep the rest of my roster flexible. But this will probably be one of the last weeks where you can, you, you'll comfortably use that second quarterback if you have an established guy like, say, Deshaun Watson. And, uh, you know, I was looking at streamers. The options aren't necessarily super great this week. Um, you know, I was kind of back and forth between who to rank number one between Ryan ha- Tannehill and uh, Derek Carr. But after watching the, the, uh, the Chargers passing attack here, um, just kind of crush Aaron Rodgers with only four pass rushers last week. Um, I, bumped card down number two and I think it's Tannehill against the Chiefs in hopes of a shootout game there a little bit but uh, I put Daniel Jones you know I can't quit Mitch Trubisky against the Lions they've been pretty good against opposing quarterbacks and then last on my list of viable you know under 40-50% on streaming options I threw Sam Darnold on there um, against the Giants because like you mentioned you know the young the young secondary and uh, what Dak Prescott was able to do to them obviously way different players but there's some receiving weapons on that Jets team where if Darnold stops seeing ghosts ever uh, could have some decent fantasy days. I'm not quite ready to give up on his career entirely. But uh, I don't know. Out of that list, is is there anybody i forgot? forgotten? Do I have the order right?
1: Yeah. I don't know about forgetting. I think those top five, at least for streamer options this week, and you're mm-hmm. probably going to have to dip down to that basket if you have the Deshaun Watsons or Tom Brady's because you weren't going after others. But mm-hmm. I don't know if the order is correct. And, and it's interesting you bring up the Chargers decimating our favorite Packers. Uh, not only did they cost me money, but that was also my survivor pick. I felt supremely good – in the Packers traveling to Carson Field. Oh, man. with the, the that's the, the so rough field. for a survivor pick. Yeah, and I mean, I didn't have the Bills, and I didn't have the 49ers because I would used them earlier, so there was just not a lot of great options. But I did not anticipate that game script whatsoever, and I had to listen to that game throughout the second half in the car ride, and it was one of those pull-your-hair kind of out contests if you were a Packers fan. Yeah. I don't think the Raiders will be as caught off guard with Melvin Ingram and Joey Bosa as the Packers were. And I think we learned, at least after the fact or midway through the game, Mm -hmm. that traveling and maybe what the Packers did uh, prior to getting to uh, Los Angeles— might have had an impact and how they oh, yeah. were prepared for that contest. Yeah, 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 that's fair. Oakland is not going to have that issue. And I, I feel pretty good that Derek Carr, with how quickly he's getting the ball out of his hands, and frankly, how great John Gruden is running the offense, that they're going to be able to take advantage of a mismatch secondary, unlike what we saw the Packers do this week. So I'd rather have Carr number one. And Tannehill is inconsistent, in my opinion, to the fact where I don't even know if I want to have him number two. I think Daniel Jones against the Jets, who are as miserable of a franchise As really there is right now, given how badly they lost, and they they lost badly to the Dolphins this week. I think Daniel Jones is number two, and I'd have Sam Darnold number three against the secondary of the Giants. That's Mm -hmm. also equally bad, and I think they have the weapons, although if Le'Veon Bell, and we'll get to his backups uh, in a little bit, if Le'Veon Bell is out this week, he had an MRI earlier that might be a conversation where you'd lower them a little bit, just given on the skill level mm-hmm. the receivers have.
2: Yeah, fair enough. The reason I made the flip from Tannehill over cars, it's it's purely a reason to match up for me. Uh, the Chargers rank 6th in terms of least fantasy points allowed to opposing quarterbacks, whereas the Chiefs are 22. So, you know, you got a top 10 defense or a bottom 10 defense. And uh, yeah, you're right. carr been more consistent Without a doubt, since Carr's bye week, he's thrown seven touchdowns and only one interception against the Packers, Texans, and Lions. Of course, you know pretty decent matchups in there. Uh, Ten Hill he had a rough game against the Panthers there's no real way to put that lightly you know he followed up his three touchdown zero interception game against Tampa Bay with a one touchdown two interception game uh, at least he had 331 yards out of it but uh, I think those are the two guys you're going to look for for your streaming and after that we're probably just shooting darts
1: yeah there's a few two QB two QB options that we could discuss as well of course Jacoby Brissett really the backup for the Colts because Andrew Luck mm-hmm. uh, retired right before the start of the season is facing potentially a multi-week absence after sprinting his MCL Brian Hoyer enters the enters the conversation, is now the starting quarterback, and I'm actually a little bit intrigued by him. Unlike the Brandon Allens of the world or Ryan Finley, who, again, is going to be taking over as a starting quarterback for the Bengals, following the Bengals' bye week here over Andy Dalton, I think Hoyer has a little bit more promise. We've seen what he's done on the field, and I think as a veteran option, he's a little bit like a Ryan Fitzpatrick light, and I know that's that's really yeah. disgusting thing to talk about, but... Fitzpatrick's doing mm-hmm. okay, and he'll get you fancy All numbers. Right. I think Hoyer has the opportunity to do
2: the mm-hmm. same. You mean Hoyer is like a one week option, right? You know, for a two quarterback league with bye weeks. Well, who
1: did the Colts have after
2: this week? Of course, they play the Dolphins. That's a great Jake's, matchup Texans, for them. Texans, Titans, Bucks, Saints, the, the, So if he
1: plays that, if he's starting as a quarterback for the Texans, I don't mind having to stream him either maybe the jacksonville jaguars is gonna be a different situation but at least two of these three weeks Mm -hmm. i could feel comfortable using if i had to
2: yeah i i'm pretty much out on hoyer uh pretty much every name that i'm seeing on this list is someone that i'd rather roster um you know not only is it Is it Brian Hoyer here, you know, the 34 year old journeyman who's been around forever uh, that, you know, threw that? I think he was, he threw a pick pick six once he had entered the game, too. So, you know, came came off pretty rough. It was
1: returned 98 yards for a touchdown. (laughs) Like, it wasn't like he threw a slant and it got taken away. Fair
2: enough. But also, don't keep in mind that, you know, T.Y. Hilton's out. You know, he's your best offensive player, I think, you know, unless you sneak Marlon Mack into that mix but either way they're gonna be able to key up on the run to make Hoyer make throws and I just don't I don't think he can okay but this Matt Schaub career.
1: threw for almost 300 yards against the Seahawks and he's 38 years old hadn't played in four years I think and and Liss has mm-hmm. been writing about this quite a bit in his articles and as much as it's tough to agree with Liss sometimes because he's very yeah. excited about that it is easier to play quarterback than I think at any point in the last 20 years right mm-hmm. now. Like, offenses make yeah. it easier. And your Colts' offensive line is so know. darn good, too. And it's not like you're worried about the Dolphins' secondary. Like, it, mm-hmm. it's, it's gross for me to say, but I would rather start Brian Hoyer than Mitchell Trubisky, who is among your top five options. And I would dare say he's probably a top 20 option as well when they play the Texans two weeks from now.
2: Yeah. I put Kyle Allen ahead of both of those guys. I think, you know, against the Packers, even though it's a road game, unless we run into inclement weather. uh, Not that I think Kyle Allen suddenly going to sling it out against the Packers, but he's going to throw enough screen passes to Christian McCaffrey to have a better ceiling. He he probably should have been in that top five. I put ahead of uh, probably somewhere in between Jones and Trubisky, maybe in between Carr and Jones.
1: And we saw Matt Moore take advantage of the Packers secondary two weeks ago. Mm -hmm. And that was entirely based on the speed the Chiefs had on the field. Well, the Panthers also have that in DJ Moore uh, and Curtis Samuel as well. Now, maybe they don't have it like four deep, which felt like the Chiefs do. But that's enough that if the game plan for the Chiefs was don't let you beat over deep and just give everything up front – the same process should be applied to the Panthers as well.
2: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And then, you know, kind of going down the list, if we really want to get, uh, if we really want to look ahead and, and bank for a couple weeks, you know, I still think that Nick Foles has a chance to get that job now, I know. I'm, no, I'm, I'm leaning towards from, you as well. Yeah, I mean, see, it's funny how one week can change it, things. Yep. You know, mm-hmm. Minchu has one bad game against a matchup that's supposed to be good. I started Minshew over Baker Mayfield in a league. Um, I, I got, it was in not London. Not making the playoffs. Though, in London, in things league. are just always weird. That's it. That's the But time. they're the London Jaguars. They play always <laughs> You're play right. great. Yeah. I, I Granted, it hasn't <laughs> been Gardner Minshew, but you know, I mean, think about this: you paid I agree. He, Nick Foles is guaranteed, you know, fifty million dollars, about twenty five over the next twenty five a year over the next two years, something in, in that ballpark, and then you got a rookie that you meant to have him learn under Foles, you know, for a while anyway. So why don't we just kind of shift back to that plan now that Minshew's coming back to earth? It's not the greatest from the marketing from a marketing standpoint, but. Uh,
1: well, financially, it makes sense for Minshew to also be the starting quarterback for Jacksonville. Again, they could trade Nick Foles to the Bears or somebody like that who are really looking for, him, or the
2: Bengals. Actually, Nick if Foles would be a great Bear. I don't know if that season's already over for them or not. I, I think, think
1: Chicago's done, and, yeah. and, well, of, and course of course you, can, you can't you can't trade right. Yeah.
2: But I'm saying even in the off
1: season, if especially the Bears who are three and six right now, but let's say they get closer to eight and eight or like that kind of, and they're out of the running for a quarterback at a high pick you already traded a bunch of picks for Mitchell Trubisky and that hasn't worked out. Maybe you go for Nick Foles and it's a second or third instead of multiple Mm -hmm. picks and the depth that gets taken away from Chicago. Anyway, I mean, this is a conversation down the line. I'm still not ruling out that Gardner Minshew is the starting quarterback for the rest of the season for Jacksonville, but I will admit Mm -hmm. that that was a very difficult performance as a guy that's been on Minshew for the rest of the year to really like the Mm -hmm. most valuable asset in the NFL is a quarterback on a rookie deal that wasn't taken in the first round. And that still remains true. So especially sixth-round pick like Minshew, it mm-hmm. makes sense from a financial perspective. Forget the marketing. Yeah, angle. I mean,
2: maybe but, something gets done in future years, but if the Jags fancy themselves playoff contenders, and they should. why not turn to the guy who has recently won a Super Bowl, right. for example, has that playoff experience, and, Again, and, and let Minshew continue on the plan you originally had for him. You know, if you want to make a switch next year, if Minshew comes in and slings it out in the preseason, go for it. But uh, but for now, I'm pretty sure we're going to see Nick Foles starting at multiple games at quarterback at some point the rest of this year. So he fits still, in this QB League discussion.
1: There's still opportunity for uh, like the fifth or sixth spot, really the sixth spot in the AFC with the Bills kind of locking down that fifth spot angle. And the AFC South is a division that's still up for grabs, although the Texans are running away with it a little bit. Certainly helps with this latest outcome. And the Colts missing now their second string quarterback, top wide receiver. They've had injuries all season long. Jacksonville is not out of it by any means, so I understand where Foles could come into play. Mm-hmm. Let's go over to the running backs, though. We spent enough time on some quarterbacks that you're probably not going to be having to hopefully play for your fantasy season. Uh, I, you know, we talked. Talks about Darius guys. It's probably worth saying again. I don't know if he's playing this week or if we're for certain that it
2: is he's coming back soon. I mean, this is one of the last. He he needs to be mentioned on here because I think his heel, ceiling is higher than. uh Well, I mean, we could probably argue this point, but um, I think he's a more dynamic back than Ronald Jones and. Mostly because I can't trust the Tampa Bay coaching staff to really turn to Ronald Jones um, as, as the main guy, but Darius Geis—he's only—he's thirty-two percent on right now. This is, you know, maybe you won't be able to get him, but this is the last time you can get him at a small to no price. So uh, he needs to. Uh, and Adrian to Peterson fall into has over a hundred rushing
1: yards or close to it in the last two weeks. So it's very clear that even though the Redskins' offense overall has struggled, especially with Dwayne Haskins at quarterback, it, the, the offense—the offensive running game can do enough where Geis is is at least a viable. Running back four, or even a flex option on your team. And I think that's, again, at 32% owned, that needs to be closer to 45 or
2: 46%, in my opinion. Well, I remember last week, remember when we were doing the show and then Trent Williams came back to Washington? Yeah. Now he's got a two week (laughs) roster exemption because he failed a physical. This is going to get, this is going to probably get worse before it gets better. So maybe non football injury list, Uh, Antonio Brown all over again, helmet Saga, Um, you you know, except I'll I'll give Trent Williams the benefit of the doubt and call him a little bit more level headed. But anyway, not to get too far off. Topic, uh, you know. Last week we discussed Mark Walton, who had some, you know, some. He some was a promise. starting running yeah. back.
1: That's that's about the only promising yeah, thing it can okay. say for him. He was a starting mm-hmm. running back, yep. no longer with a four game suspension. Mm-hmm. uh It's now Kalen Balash because they traded away Kenyon Drake, mm-hmm. and that's not an enticing prospect for me.
2: <laughs> yeah, I, I mean Kalen Bellage has been brutal this year, so uh yeah. There's a unique situation in which he's used in fantasy. He should see a pretty big snap share. But there's still not a whole lot to get excited about. I mean, his yards, not the yards per carry, is a fair or good stat by any means. But he's carried the ball 35 times this year, almost matched last season's total, averaging 2.0 yards per yeah. carry. I mean, it sounds uh, like he,
1: three three yards is the bad baseline, yeah. and he's
2: now a yard underneath that. 3.3 yards per target. Like, uh, <laughs> not, it, even if you give him 30, 40 snaps, like, well, what are you really expecting here? You know, there's some promise at one point. Um, you know, team context certainly doesn't help, but. But, uh, yeah, the, the ceiling, it's its tough to pick one up.
1: Mario and John have, for the last two or three weeks now, on the Thursday edition of the Roto-Air podcast, which is excellent in all of our – podcasts in the road Wire network are, are great but they do a really good job of going in depth on some of these players miles gaskin was a name that they brought up on multiple occasions that should be playing if mark walton were to miss time well here we go four game mm-hmm. suspension he was i think a seventh round pick for the dolphins this year yep. but really a prominent running back for in washington in the last four years of his collegiate career had over 1300 rushing yards in three of those four seasons had 10 plus touchdowns in each one of those years as well too Mm-hmm. it's it's going to be interesting to see if the dolphins really want to keep banging their head on the ballage wall because they've done it now for 10 weeks or nine weeks even when Kenyon drake was around they kind of tried to force that role mm-hmm. it's pretty clear at this point that he's not the guy why not go and give it to a person that at least seems to be much more relevant the running back uh gaskins had over 5.5 yards per carry again in college but in three of those four seasons and was a pretty prominent factor. Like I, I liked him coming out of Washington. I thought he was going to be more of a relevant name. He has not played any single game for the Dolphins this year. Yeah, that's the thing. That's gonna that's gonna change though. With with Walden Allison suspended for four games, I I okay. So like I, I I'm in four different NFFC leagues. I was really looking for roster spaces where I could have Gaskins, and with the names out there, I just couldn't do it. So as much as I want to practice what I'm preaching, I'm not going to be out there and just spending tons of fab budget on Gaskins. If you're in a super, super deep league, and I thought the NFFC is as deep as you could get, and I'm not I'm not going there, but maybe maybe you think about it, and I wouldn't be surprised if next week we're talking about Gaskins as a guy that maybe should be picked up.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I mean, we saw flashes at least in the preseason. He had a game against the Saints where he carried eight times for 48 yards, so might as well see what you got out of the seventh-round pick to see if he's worth keeping around on that roster next year. So I definitely buy that line of uh, thinking in deeper leagues. But uh,
1: did we skip over your boy, Joe? We did. I was, I was going to say, am I allowed to stand on the Mount Carton and talk a little bit about Ronald Jones and how yeah, great I, he is? I,
2: I, I'm going to turn this over to you. This is all you uh, <laughs> who, had, who had this situation sniffed out from week one.
1: Yeah, unfortunately uh, that I Just had Just took a little while. <laughs> because I, they had to use Peyton Barber for so long. So uh, reports, I think, either today or yesterday, are now indicating Ronald Jones is officially not the starter bruce arians came out and said that ronald jones the second year running back from ufc usc is going to be uh the guy running forward he's been more consistent and more explosive that's the quote from bruce arians I'm frustrated that Bruce Arians took until week nine to acknowledge that Ronald Jones is more explosive and consistent than Peyton Barber, which we knew since two years ago, mm-hmm. but yet here we are. So, so great. We have now have Ronald Jones who's under 50% owned. He actually is 42% owned in Yahoo leagues as the named starting running back. And I think you talked about Darius Geis as a guy that you'd rather have than Ronald Jones. I get it, but I, I think the Buccaneers offense is significantly more explosive. And we saw just this past week that what, what it means, at least as far as redstone opportunities, Mike Evans has been a dynamo for the last two weeks. Chris Godwin's a great receiver, but there's going to be opportunities where they run the ball. Ronald Jones had 18 Mm -hmm. carries for a touchdown. He also factored a little bit receiving wise. Unfortunately, uh, they're still using Darre Goumouale as the receiving option. And as much as I love my Badgers out there, Ronald Jones should be at least mm-hmm. a bit more of a guy that's used like yeah. Saquon Barkley. I Bartley. believe Dara
2: got a touchdown last week too. So it, was otherwise a, it was a the, jump uh, time touchdown, yeah, but it uh, yeah. was a touchdown. Yeah, the, uh, and- the, the Jones line could have looked better in that situation. But yeah, last week was the first week of the season where we saw Ronald Jones get more than 50% of the snap share. So, that, so that's significant in itself. And then, of course, uh, you know, we've got the news here. He's a starting running back going forward. Consistent, more explosive, like you said. Um, Peyton Barber was under, 13, under 14% of snaps. He's actually, I mean, if you haven't cut him already, obviously no, now's the time. Yeah. I'd probably Rather own Miles Kaskin than Peyton Barber because at least you've got a little bit of a ceiling there. But yeah, with uh, with Jones owned at only forty two percent. I'm starting to go back on that guy's statement because uh, Jones, at least we know, is going to be there and he's going to be there right away. Let's take a peek at his rest of season schedule. Cardinals this week. Cardinals is Cardinals is good. Saints in week 11. <laughs> not, that's bad. No, uh, we will
1: not be playing yeah. Ronald Jones mm-hmm. in week 11.
2: Yeah. And then, I mean, then you've got uh, Atlanta and Jacksonville, which are, you know, 20 20th uh, least points and 19th least points allowed to oppose in running backs. And you get Detroit, who's uh, pretty near the bottom there um, in week 15. So there's, it's a decent playoff schedule. I've seen where Playoff schedules. He is dynamic. He he can catch passes, but they're not using him that way, which right. I find a little bit strange. Uh, but nonetheless, uh, he's improved his stats across the board in his sophomore season, finally getting the recognition he needs. He's a he's a player with a lot of ceiling. I'm looking at the league integration features we have on Rotowire right now. He's owned across every single league that I have. It's really cool when you look at the, the player profile pages. Yeah. It'll tell you right away uh, who's owned and what team has them in case you're or interested in making a trade. But anyway, not to get too far off tar- target, I think you'll see Ronald Jones at the top of just about every waiver list. And uh, I would have to I would have to agree with that, though. Guys might give him a run for his money when it comes uh, to the rest of season.
1: I'll go out on a limb a little bit. And of course, we, we talk and we're really interested in trying to get those guys in the playoff run. Right. Derek Henry literally won leagues last year. Christian McCaffrey certainly feels like he's the regular season winner for that award. I would not be stunned at all if Ronald Jones is one of those players that you see at the end of the year, starting in eighty or ninety percent of the championship lineups mm-hmm. out there. And it's it not not saying he's going to get thirty five points a game like Henry was doing, but what his role is in that offense and how good the offense is, despite Jameis Winston's yeah. limitations, I could very well see Jones doing that, having that, um, having that impact.
2: I think the player that's going to actually fill that role this year. This is kind of aside from the waiver wire stuff because he's more highly owned. But the player you are going to see in a lot of fantasy championship lineups is Josh Jacobs this year. He mm. his his usage. They seem to use him a little bit more uh, in the passing game slightly, and his schedule is so cake for the next four weeks. So. I thought
1: you were going to say Devin Singletary. I thought that was your time to talk about Devin Singletary oh, again. Devin I, Singletary? I can give you the platform. Right, well, you you talk about Ronald Jones.
2: <laughs> yeah, no, I'm just going to say that when you talk about a guy that maybe wasn't super on everybody's radar for the first 10 weeks but is going to be in a ton of championship teams, that's definitely Josh Jacobs for me because he's going to continue to eat over these next couple weeks. But it might finally be did the Devin Singletary time too. I'm excited in my two leagues that I've hung mm-hmm. on to him. Uh, one of them, my 16-team, I'm probably already out of it because I used the second-round pick on Antonio Brown. Yeah. That's neither here nor there, but uh, be happy with your Singletary there's too. Any other running backs you want to talk about before moving on? We should really scrape
1: the bottom of the barrel and at least mention Trey Carson, who was the guy that Drew, my IR with Ty Johnson as the starting running back for the Lions last week, <laughs> was placed on injury reserve Saturday. The Lions worked out Jai last Friday. Obviously, they weren't going to sign a J.J. after Carson got placed on an IR Saturday, but it's possible that he could join the team. <laughs> Ty Johnson was ineffective. J.D. McKissick did get a touchdown of those receiving. So at least in that regard, we know that McKissick is going to be the guy that we thought he would be in terms of receiving options. They play the Bears this week. I'm not sure I want any lines running back in my lineup, regardless. Maybe Kenny Galladay and Marvin Jones still stick in there by default because Stafford's just been so excellent. Mm-hmm. But it's worth monitoring. And if you have a bit of a fab budget and want to take a gamble on J. Jai, mm-hmm. even with all these bye weeks going on, I wouldn't. I wouldn't be opposed to that.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, if we're gonna talk about uh, Miles Gaskin, we might as well touch on JD, JD McKissick and Jay um It's a real rough matchup this week against the Bears. So, that, yeah. so that makes. Are real tough, but if you talk about guys that are going to get five, ten touches a game, um, and maybe you hope they squeak out for one big play, whether it be garbage time or whether it just be a blown assignment, um, you got to have touches first to get that. And these guys are at least going to get touches. But uh, we we jotted down a couple handcuffs on here mm-hmm. um, that I think are probably more worth a roster spot, especially if you don't need that starting lineup spot you know these are guys that like okay i'm i'm screwed because of bye weeks you know say i've got uh jeez leonard fournette sony michelle and uh jordan howard they're, those are my three running backs this right. year they're all gone you know i loaded up on the bye those are guys that you know well maybe you get five ten touches and hope for the best but there are some handcuffs that could be league winners, obviously. You never root for injury, but guys like Tony Pollard, um, he looked pretty explosive in, in brief work uh, last night, or, or shifty, I think was the word that Booger used or something like that. Kevin Payne mentions this in his article on RotoWire. That's another one worth checking out. But uh, Tony Pollard is in a lead handcuff, and then uh, Alexander, Alexander Madison. Madison. Yep, there you go.
1: Oh, and I'll give you one more. Reggie Bonifant, again, we talked about Christian McCaffrey and how big of a deal he is for the Panthers. There is no second option, and we saw when Christian McCaffrey was out. The Reggie Bonoffin came in and had that sixty-plus yard touchdown. If those guys are out there and you really are stacked and you're you're able to have the luxury of looking for roster spots, the second defense is always important, but also having some of those handcuffed guys that if an injury were to occur are huge different makers. So Tony Pollard, Alexander Madison, Reggie Bonoffin seem like they have the the number one mm-hmm. lot, uh, workload locked in were injuries to occur above the guys yeah.
2: and I, and I think I put them in that exact order too if yes. I had to if yes. I had to order them because uh you got the Dallas well. offensive line and Tony Pollard actually looks looks pretty good
1: I think I would have Madison above Pollard, but both are both are like clear they need to be on my lineups if they're out there right now, and I have the luxury of doing so, mm-hmm. because yeah. they're both explosive, and you're right. I mean, the, the Cowboys offensive line and how they utilize that running back position is key, mm-hmm. but I think Madison's a player, too, and, and even if Delvin Cook were—like, it's the point where I've I've thought about maybe the Chase Edmonds-David Johnson thing we saw earlier. Yep. Madison and Cook can do the same type of deal if you really are pressed to find a flex option uh, in,
2: in future weeks. Oh, yeah. If you have to start both—you just want to lock down the whole team's backfield you know i've I'm, i haven't am had to do it yet but i've you know the chris carson rashad penny deal that's uh something that True. is an option available to me on my rosters if i need need to because if something were to happen to carson maybe penny sneaks into that conversation a little bit i don't think he's as dynamic as those other backs and they probably go to more of a committee if something were to go to carson but uh but uh, Penny's the
1: last... an interesting name too and we haven't talked about him enough i mean the seahawks have been weird and of course they picked mm-hmm. up josh gordon which Big makes time just draft weirder. pedigree yeah yeah it'll it'll be interesting to see what the Seahawks. If Carson were to go down. And we know that his running style uh, is conducive to injuries to the point where Penny probably is worthy of a and I'm certainly not dropping Penny in the leagues I have him either exactly, I think yeah. he's, he's worthy holding on to as well mm-hmm. we're gonna get to the receivers and tight ends in just a little bit but first a word from our sponsors at World Fantasy Pools uh, already knocked out of your survivor pool yes I am this week thanks to the my Green Bay Packers Uh you end up losing early in the season feeling like success is mostly based on luck well wish there was an alternative where you could use your actual fantasy sports knowledge as opposed to relying on whether our team wins loses or chokes like the Packers well now there is World Fantasy pools brings you the first of its kind game type stat based survivor pools world fantasy pools takes the traditional concept of survivor pools that players are familiar with and adds in a more exciting twist instead of choosing a team to win a game you'll use your fantasy knowledge to choose an athlete to achieve a designated stat line achieve that stat line and you advance fail to do so and you're eliminated be the last to survive or make it through all rounds to win or split the prize pool just choose one athlete each week to receive a designated stat line to advance and win It's just that simple. Sign up and play today at www.worldfantasypools.com. That's www.worldfantasypools.com. All right, let's move to those receivers. This is actually a bit of an intriguing week. We had Adam Thielen re-aggravate his injury. We don't know his stats this week. Deshaun Jackson likely out for the year after. He came back and re-aggravated his injury. And then Preston Williams, who was kind of a dynamo pickup week one and kind of as— been a fringy wide receiver three flex option most weeks. Had, I think, at least one touchdown, if not two. He's now out for the season after tearing his ACL. He, and we had T.Y. Hilton that was mm-hmm. injured last week, too. So there's a number of names. Devontae Parker, your guy, your number one option in stake league, like it feels I can't like. quit it.
2: I can't quit it. You I've started, can't now, for certain. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I can't now, and I couldn't quit it before because of the Devontae Adams injury. I mean, I've... I've been lucky enough to keep myself in the stake league points running <laughs> because I'm getting a ton of random touchdowns from Devontae Parker and Cole Beasley. I think he scored a few weeks in a row because I've had to start these guys because the the situation has been a mess. You know, my Arizona backfield shares are, are completely wrecked. But uh, anyway, um, I, I like Devontae Parker. I mean, the skill set has always been there. You know, there's no question about that. It's just a matter of usage. I mean, you have a first round pick here who um, is in a contract year here looking to get attention. He's already matched his career high tackle total. The next receiver's on that depth chart. Tackle total, I was touchdown say, total, wow. I say, mean, wow, touchdown IDP total. wise, he's great too. Yeah, yeah no, he's, uh, yeah, he's got to, he's got to get tackles after his quarterback <laughs> throws picks. So yeah, <laughs> he's got many opportunities for that. We have well. IDPs in state league, but we, when quarterbacks or whatever throw picks and the offensive players get tackles, we don't count those stats, unfortunately. But uh, uh, anyway, uh, not to get too far off track. Yeah, the, look, looking at this depth chart, the next guys up here are Albert Wilson, Jakeen Grant, and Alan Hearns. Yeah, those guys might vulture a touchdown every once in a while, but we're gonna look at, we're looking at pretty tremendous volume for Devontae Parker, who has now scored. Four times in his last five weeks and three consecutive weeks of 55 receiving yards or more. That's a wide receiver three pretty much by definition. You can do blind resumes with this guy. And a lot of guys uh, would, um, a lot of people, you'd absolutely pick Devontae Parker. Uh, So he's a guy that uh, needs to be out there. Um, I got to check on his ownership real quick. I didn't quite get it at first. He is 37% owned. In Yahoo League. So a little bit more than the next guy we're going to talk about, Zach Pascal, at 22%. uh, But both good options this week.
1: Yeah, with Ryan Fitzpatrick as the quarterback, I think Devontae Parker is not necessarily a must-start. But someone you can consider each and every week, and I would not be surprised at all if you're you're kind of debating between the Terry McLaurins yeah. of the world and Devontae Parker as your last starter. Yeah,
2: especially if you're floating around like Golden Tate and Jamison Crowder sure. and Devontae Parker. Like I've got some some rosters where that's kind of my wide receiver three, and I need to make a tough call each week. But this call's getting a lot less difficult to make.
1: Yeah, and I think the same could probably be said for Zach Pascal and T. Y. Hilton uh, out for the next. Two to three weeks, if not more, with a hamstring injury. And then we had Paris Campbell also break his hand. It doesn't sound like he's done for the season, but he's effectively done for the fantasy season. Maybe a return in week 16 or week 17 as a possibility. So Pascal, who's now had a touchdown, I think, in two consecutive weeks. Chester Rogers and Devin Funches. We always talk about Darius Geis as the guy that returning off of IR. Funches is also capable of doing that and really is owned in under, I think, 15% of the leagues, at least that I last checked. These are three names that are are worth bringing up, and you look Mm -hmm. at the Colts' rest of the season schedule, at least for the ensuing three or four weeks, it's possible that they could be a pretty pass-heavy team, even with Brian Hoyer under center.
2: Yeah, I mean, to me, Zach Pascal is the guy. He's the leading receiver for the foreseeable future. Now, he had that big game week seven against Houston, 6 for 106 and two yards. Then he got Chris Harris and the Broncos the next week and was shut down. But uh, in weeks eight and nine, Pascal had 92.2% of the snaps in week eight, and that's with T.Y. Hilton taking on a full workload, and then 94.4%, uh, you know, the next highest was Chester Rogers at 64.8%. So uh, the only guy I'm really interested in is probably going to be Pascal as far as someone I can pick up and start, especially with that matchup against Miami this week. Now, quarterback play, that's the only that's the big concern for me. Uh, what are we going to get out of Brian Hoyer? I mentioned my hesitancy before. I just don't think he's very good, but uh, – I mean, and i'm
1: not scared by that I, that's that's my direction again the the dolphins certainly this week you shouldn't be scared regardless the jacksonville franchise presents a little bit more of a pass rushing opportunities they play the colts in week 11 mm-hmm. and then likely week 12 is where maybe Brissett comes back maybe does not the mm-hmm. texans who they play in week 12 are one of the worst in terms of pass defense and allowing points to the wide mm-hmm. receiver spot yeah.
2: and that's the same team that pascal had as, as two touchdown game against this season so week 12 is uh you know you're I'm fine starting Pascal in that situation with maybe a playoff spot on the line if T.Y. Hilton is out. That's, again, a wide receiver three there's a spot for him
1: I I, dare I say is one of my I think Pascal is one of my top pickups this week and who I'm spending a decent amount of fab on Mm -hmm. I think Chester Rogers needs to be in that conversation too and just about every NFFC league that I'm in I'm also getting a little bit of fab budget on him as well because there's there's room for a second pass catcher from Indianapolis to be effective in a fancy capacity and I think Rogers fits that mold I don't know what Devin Funches' status is and I'm not really impressed or excited to go get a Jack Doyle who did score touchdown this week or a Eric Ebron who is been super inconsistent and but one of the few things that us and just about every other fantasy analyst out there called as far as a regression point candidate entering mm-hmm. the season so Rodgers is up there but Pascal might be my number one guy if Ronald Jones is not a, not available
2: yeah Pascal and Parker are interchangeable for the number sure. one two uh, wide receivers I think both of the uh, the volume the volume's great I believe I never thought I'd hear myself saying this you know I had week nine of the NFL season but I trust the quarterback play in Miami a little bit more than Indy for the short term so maybe <laughs> that tips the skills maybe that tips the scales towards Parker a little bit, but uh, you put some Vikings on here too, and I think that's very interesting as well with the uh, with the Adam Thielen injury. Uh because Kirk Cousins has been playing better. I mean, NFC Offensive Player of the Month, right? Right, and yeah. then, uh <laughs> and, and I mean, he's got guys that uh, beyond digs are starting to be productive in this offense.
1: Yeah, here's the problem, though, with the Vikings receivers, and we'll talk about it again. Adam Thielen re-aggravated his hamstring injury. We don't know what his status is. It doesn't sound like he's going to go on IR or anything like that, but he's definitely questionable. And I think if you're the Vikings, with playoff aspirations, it might be wise to be sitting – uh, your star receiver in these situations to get healthy, but their schedule is difficult. They play the chiefs this past week. They had the Cowboys this week and Broncos after that, before their week 12 bye, those are three pretty difficult defenses that you'd have to be concerned with. And maybe a mm-hmm. guy like Bissy Johnson who stepped up at one point as the number two receiver, makes a bit of a difference but it is worth mentoring Laquan Treadwell and I think Lis had one of the worst dad jokes I've seen and called him Laquan Retreadwell uh was the primary receiver for the Vikings this past week let all uh, let all receivers with receiving yards 58 and had five targets so mm-hmm maybe it's not time to quite quit on the 2016 first round pick in Lake Juan ye- Treadwell. Ye-
2: yeah. I mean, every time he comes up, I just think, man, I hope the Vikings just keep taking receivers with their first round picks. Just keep <laughs> doing it. Keep doing it. Don't take defense, take receivers. Yeah. I, I see where the appeal is with Treadwell, but I'm not quite sold on it yet. Although a snap count percentage has gone up every week since week five, it's it still maxed out at 28.2% here in week nine, whereas busy Johnson got 83.1%. Yeah. Maybe Treadwell still has more explosive athleticism in him. I mean, something must have seen something at the combine, right? But uh but overall I think Busy Johnson would be the guy to own. Uh and you mentioned it's it's two tough matchups then a bye week. So definitely a, a separation between Devontae Parker and Zach Pascal and then and then we get to Busy Johnson or maybe former Clemson standout. Hunter Renfro.
1: Yeah, Hunter Renfro had a pretty good week this past week. It feels like the Raiders are getting him more involved offensively. And as someone who had a little bit of money on the line for Tyrell Williams catching more than three passes, it was infuriating to see that he had three at halftime and three by the end of the game. It was Hunter Renfro and Hunter Renfro almost exclusively, whether it be short bubble passes or slant plays whatever else. And to the Raiders' credit, he did look pretty explosive in the times that he had the ball in his hands. It's it's taken a little bit while for Renfro, who a lot of people anticipated was going to be the receiver following the Antonio Brown injury – or I'm sorry, well, release, injury, whatever else you want to call it. uh, That would benefit. Yeah, I mean, it's taken a bit, but we're kind of seeing it unfold now. And you look at the Raiders' schedule for the next couple weeks – it's not bad in terms of passing options out there. And I think, specifically with the Chargers' secondary, they're slow at running, or they're slow in the linebackers, and their secondary has just been depleted at safety, wherever else. They're still not mm-hmm. going to have Derwin James, although he's close to returning. And I think that makes a big difference when possibly considering a Thursday night matchup.
2: Yeah, you ready for me to come in hot with the snap counts? Uh- Tyrell Williams, 81.9%. You know about what you'd expect, Uh, unfortunately, for my DFS lineups did not find the end zone. Zay Jones, 91.7% week nine. Hunter Renfro, 54.2%. Now, yeah, this is one of those tough situations where it's like 99% of the time I want to lean with the guy that's on the field more, but I think the plays designed for Hunter Renfro are more frequent than they are for a guy like Zay Jones. So uh, I'm going to take that stat with a grain of salt and wait until it repeats itself, and I would still obviously have... Some interest in a hunter Renfro as a pickup, still not really any interest in Zay Jones.
1: Jones did make his debut this week. So this is he had been traded mid season from the Bills to the Raiders. They had a bye week and then this was his first game uh, playing as an Oakland Raider. I, it's worth pointing out that Zay Jones is kind of known as a blocker, and I think that makes a big difference. Like again, I was watching uh, on my hands and knees, hoping Tyrell Williams could just one more catch. That didn't occur. There was a lot of short passes, bubble screens, and just different op- option routes where you're taking advantage mm-hmm. of both Tyrell Williams and Zay Jones as bigger receivers, both over six feet two, uh, that can block. And I think maybe that's the appeal that comes with Jones and why he had mm-hmm. so much playing time.
2: Yeah, I think if this team's going to be successful, it's going to be on the heels of of Josh. I always want to say Brandon. Dang it. (laughs) On the heels of Josh Jacobs' 100-yard games, and we're going to see a few more of those coming up. Darren, yes, you Darren.
1: can rule out Darren Waller, too, is now probably the top pickup that has turned uh, to be a fantasy asset, and I think a lot of people are drafting him. Yeah, very I mean, if round.
2: we give away free agent awards at the end of the year, uh, which we sometimes do for Week 17, because who plays Week 17 anyway, <laughs> Darren Waller is the easy recipient of the tight end pickup of the year and possibly the overall pickup of the year.
1: Yeah, although Darren Fells, as we transition over the tight end position for this podcast, has been a pretty relevant asset, too, in terms of pickups. And it's frustrating trying to guess who's scoring touchdowns each and every Week. I certainly haven't been successful, but Jake, I'll give it to you. You've been able to hit a lot of these guys now for the past couple weeks. Yeah, I mean,
2: it's, I'll definitely admit a little bit of luck obviously comes into play when we're talking about, you know, 33 year old blockers that are suddenly red zone threats. Uh, but Darren Fells, man, 6'7, 270. Even line, I mean, if linebackers could match that, they they can't cover him. He's just a tough, tough dude to cover. Now, three touchdowns in his last couple weeks uh, following that up. But, you know, he has good matchups against the Chiefs and the Colts where he, he doesn't get a touchdown, but was better in the yards. And then, uh, of course, one catch one yard <laughs> one touchdown here right. against the jacks the jags week nine now it's gonna be real tough to hang on to him through the bye week but uh you know he's a top 10 tight end he's a top 10 scoring tight end and in this tight end scoring market in this tight end market this year that i guess that's the point i'm trying to make can you really drop a guy like that you know he's a guy that uh, uh yeah obviously he's touchdown dependent and you're gonna have to have some luck with the pendulum swinging in your favor but there are there, there are not you know eight starting tight ends that I could say with 100% confidence will outscore him on a week-to-week basis.
1: At this point, though, I think I might put Mike Giusecchi as a guy that I would rather have at the tight end spot, if only because we know the volume is going to be there, especially with Preston Williams now out. This Mm -hmm. was his first breakout game, and we had talked earlier about Mike Giusecchi as really a guy that you could maybe roll a dice on very low free agent budgets and certainly not one that you want to waste a high waiver wire priority claim on. Well, here we are at the tight end position where there's maybe five, six, seven guys, specifically in week 10, there might be even less with all the bye weeks that you'd feel comfortable using, especially with George Kittle also maybe inactive or we have to worry about his knee injury. Mm -hmm. I like Jacecki and maybe he's a top three pickup for me this week. I'm putting a decent amount of my free agent budget that's left. On him and i think with preston williams out there's going to be at least two dolphins that will be relevant pass catchers each and every week whether it be albert wilson jakeem grant we talked about Devontae parker as the number one a option i think joseki G- has made a case that he could be the number two
2: mm-hmm. yeah i mean this this team fitzpatrick knows how to use the tight ends we saw it last year in tampa bay with both braid and oj howard getting getting good work and that was the kind of the lead up to a lot of people thinking oj howard could break up but uh but yeah, the, the Colts are a good matchup for opposing tight ends. Gisecki's only still only 5% owned in Yahoo leagues. Uh, the other guy I wanted to throw out next to Jiseki was Noah Fanta. Um, I mean, his his breakout came this week, three catches for 115 yards. Um, last week, it wasn't quite there despite eight targets. Of course, we've got the quarterback situation, and Fant is coming up on a bye week. So if you need someone immediately, Jacecki is probably your guy. It tightens up, though, if you start to think about rest-of-season production. Yeah,
1: the reason I, I had Jacecki ahead of Fant was because of the bye week. And frankly, if you watch the the Broncos game against the Browns, and I hope not many of you had to do that, Fant had a 75-yard touchdown. It was entirely because of horrible tackling and, frankly, effort-related tackling yep. from the Browns. It wasn't Fair. like a athletic play that Fant did. As, I mean, he ran really fast, and he made good catch I mean, and whatever he, else. He's,
2: he's probably faster than your average tight end. No, no, no. He absolutely he has is. above average speed. And that's so if you, why, get him, you get him on a slant or in a seam or something with a mismatch against a smaller guy, there's, there's something there.
1: There's not going to be many teams that tackle as poorly as the Browns did on that specific play. And here's a guy – and I, I have Fant – on most of my really deep rosters as someone that for exa- for exactly this example where he has the athleticism and potential to break off a long touchdown if I had to throw a tight end in there. But I just don't know if you're going to really be able to replicate that each and every week. And mm-hmm. again, Jusecki is just as fast, if not fast, than Noah Fant that we saw in the 40 time when he was drafted two years ago. So both of them are, are I think, close option wise. And I will bring up Irv Smith once again if Adam Thielen is out. It's getting to the point where if you watch Irv Smith, I know he hasn't had a really big breakout box score, and Kyle Rudolph is there to kind of get in the way. He's a player, and I don't I don't know why the Vikings decide to re-sign Kyle Rudolph to an extended deal, but if I'm in a dynasty league or a keeper format and Irv Smith is out there for a cheaper bit of options... I'm going to get every bit of share I can from him because he's he's just a difference maker when he's on the field.
2: Yeah, I mean, he definitely uh, kind of slipped my mind. You know, second round pick out of Alabama, someone who I didn't necessarily think of going into this show here. And the uh, you know the production's been limited this 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 year so far, but you know he's gotten enough experience where I could see him turning into something in the future.
1: For he sure. could be a blocker. He can be a receiver, mm-hmm. and he looks like one of those guys, kind of like Travis Kelsey, when he's in the slot. You don't realize he's a tight end, and he's very quick mm-hmm. and agile and has good route running. I, I'm, two, I'm in love with him. Two forty-two.
2: Really yeah, I mean, you know, we're looking at decent combine numbers here. Uh, so yeah, yeah, sure. I guess I, I can, I can get that. I mean, he ran a four-six-three at the combine for a tight end. That's pretty crazy. Um, you know, I don't look too far into the other jumps, but the the forty dash time, which is probably the most important, that was pretty elite. So yeah, I'll give him the benefit of the doubt. Is some. I don't. I just don't know. If if you can count on him a ton this year because of how much they, you know, they're, they're attached to Kyle Rudolph and he might be the last one I look at out of these options that uh, we discussed so far, but he's still a name I type in in the right scenario.
1: In the PPR league, he maybe gets you four to eight points per week in a tight end right now with how bad it's been, and guessing on touchdowns can be one way, but I would rather go with the guy that can maybe get me those X amount of points, and if not more. So Mm -hmm. let's move over to the defenses real quick, and frankly, Jake, I've had a hard time figuring out which defense I want to pick up as a guy that generally is streaming quite a bit. We have a lot of options. We have the Giants against the Jets. We have the Jets against the Giants. Mm -hmm. We also have the Colts going against the Dolphins. Frankly, with the third-string quarterback for the Colts, you you could maybe talk me into the Dolphins side of things against the Colts as well too also mm-hmm. missing T.Y. Hilton it's tough uh, if you are trying to figure out which one to go out with. and I, I'm curious what, what's your direction right now in terms of picking up defenses
2: yeah this has been really tough for me Um I guess I'm, I'm leaning uh, I'm leaning the Giants, I think, against Sam Darnold. Apparently, he's still seeing ghosts. He, he tried to shuffle that pass, or shot put that one pass, <laughs> yeah. and I was like, man, I'm really trying to stick up for Sam Darnold in fantasy because of his rest of season schedule and some of the weapons around him on that offense, but he's making that harder and harder and harder to do every single week. So I think the Giants, while they'll probably give up some touchdowns against Sam Darnold, um, I think that they're probably the low-owned option, to go with this week. Although I don't feel, uh, yeah, I just don't feel super, super great about it, but man, it's just, yeah, the matchups, uh, I'll
1: give there. you another name that at least I'm looking at and is kind of by default, but my top pickup, I don't feel great about how about Detroit going against your Mitchell Trubisky bears. Like I, I, There isn't a defense that I would not consider against the Bears at this point, just how bad they've looked. And if you can't pass the ball at all, I know David Montgomery had two touchdowns last week and got one yard one, so there's at least some value in the running game. But they can't pass whatsoever. Allen Robinson, a great matchup against the Eagles secondary, had just one catch. There's, there's There's no way that you shouldn't be considering a defense even as bad as the Lions have been banged up certainly mm-hmm. injury wise in the secondary that you can just rule one of those teams out
2: yeah especially with Darius Slay coming back here for uh, for the Lions he's someone that doesn't have an injury tag anymore and he's been um, you know he's far from the the elite tier of shutdown corners but he plays a very very important role in that defense and uh, and with him back I think they become formidable and, and yeah I guess you know I'll finally concede that uh, Trubisky's probably one to target at this point because uh, I, I, just, I just don't don't see that relationship uh, between him and Nagy and, and the Bears organization. One of those two is going to be out pretty soon. Yeah,
1: and I don't know if Baltimore's available in most formats anymore. You wouldn't have imagined you'd use them against the Patriots, but they do get the matchup against Ryan Finley, the rookie quarterback here for the Bengals that's now taking over for Andy Dalton. I was all in on the Browns going against Brandon Allen and the Broncos last week. That didn't really work for me for the most part, and I'm, mm-hmm. I'm a little hesitant for a Baltimore franchise that, at least this year, hasn't been excellent in terms of defense but they just know how to win, and I think having defensive guys and Marlon Humphreys, of course, had that return touchdown, really mm-hmm. swung the momentum in Sunday night's contest against the Patriots. They can make plays, and you've kind of seen the last two weeks that the Ravens' secondary in particular, while they allow some big plays, they make big plays too, and I don't mind targeting that kind of defense mm-hmm. against a rookie quarterback.
2: Like yeah, really Yeah, have. absolutely. I mean, that's someone that you have to uh, consider. Actually, man— I just miss them because they're only 49% owned. I okay. think everybody dropped them. I think everybody dropped them before the uh, Patriots situation, knowing so that then that probably wasn't going to go well. Yeah, so uh, uh, I'm officially making my waiver claim for Baltimore right now because I just think it's not going to be a fun day if you're a Bengals fan. Whether it no be this day week. is a
1: fun day if you're a Bengals whether fan. Whether it
2: be this week or the rest of the season. I know <laughs> Jeff and Chris have done a lot of uh, who's the worst team in the league poll type situations earlier, and after Miami got that win, it looks like uh, Cincinnati is probably pulling away to that so uh uh, it's a
1: pretty compelling race mm -hmm. between the Dolphins Bengals and Jets I think Mm -hmm. you could make a a very reasonable case for every one of them and at least in this week I think Baltimore has a really good opportunity Mm -hmm. to take advantage of a rookie quarterback and have a pass rush that has at least some floor in terms of sacks
2: yeah absolutely so as we speak right now I am uh picking up the Ravens dropping the Browns and putting two fab dollars on the Ravens (laughs) Two Fab dollars it's more than I'd ever do for a defense, but I want to make sure I get them this week because otherwise I'm look I'm picking between that other pilot words right. in the, in the on the on the claim, and I don't I don't want to have to worry about that. So, I'm
1: not quitting claim the Browns though against Josh Allen. That's that's all I'll say. That the Bills have been turnover prone. We talked about Daniel Jones and Josh Allen, who has more turnovers the rest of the season. I'm not ruling the Browns out yet, but that was a pretty poor display against what I thought was a great matchup. And if you have the benefit of the doubt, or you're I'm sorry, if you have better options like the Ravens or Lions out there, and I think most people do at least. For the lines, you might as well roll that direction over the Bronx.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I can I can buy that for sure. Um, before we wrap up here, can I do my quick plug? Yeah, absolutely. Jim. Yeah. All right. So uh, college basketball season tonight. We've got uh, Champions Classic. I mean, uh, Kansas and Duke, Kentucky, Michigan State wisconsin and saint mary's you know we just got we got a loaded slate and uh we're taking care of you again this year uh at rotowire in terms of any of your dfs and season long leagues i'm doing rankings i've got a free dfs preview on the site for tonight to check out uh definitely check out our lineup optimizer all our stuff uh just like with the um just like with the trial we normally do rotowire.com slash pod that's rotowire.com slash pod for 10 days no strings attached uh I'll I'll even let you uh, take a second free trial if you mention me your username on Twitter. I'll I'll help you out to give that stuff a a check. So uh, if you're a basketballer, if you're an all sports subscriber, you can definitely uh, check out our DFS tools. I think we offer very very competitive pricing compared to some of these other things that are out there that are you know we're you know, 10 bucks a month compared to 300 bucks for a season from other people that you see around. So uh, there's a lot going on there and a lot of reasons to check out that part of the site. That's something that I manage personally and, and have a big stake in here. So I'd appreciate if you guys could uh, check that out and uh, definitely shoot any feedback my way on Twitter. You can get at me at Roto Jake, uh, but that's it for my plug. Thanks, Joe.
1: Oh, yeah. Good job. And uh, we'll be back again next week. Until then, best of luck to your fantasy lineups.